Welcome back inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. I'm your host, Chris Rosvoglu. You can follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and on Instagram at Rosvoglu underscore report. Now, before I get started in today's episode, I just want to remind you guys, you can always support the podcast on Anchor um, per month. They have cool little perks like coming on the show, giving topics, um, and also getting free interactions all the time with me on social media. It's always a cool uh, little side perk to talk Saints football, but Anyway, let's get into it. Let's talk about um, a rumor slash trade speculation going on with the Saints, and I've been arguing and beefing with you guys on Twitter nonstop over the past two days about it. But let's talk about Stephon Diggs, the wide receiver on the Vikings, who is clearly disgruntled with the situation. He's not happy. Even said today that there is some truth to the rumors that he wants out and that he's frustrated with his role. Um, whether or not he gets traded is a totally different story. The real story here um, in terms of Saints news is – the idea that New Orleans needs to acquire Stephon Diggs or at least show interest in Stephon Diggs. And I've been saying for the last two days, I'm going to continue that stance. It's false. Um, I, I know people want the Saints to add wide receiver help. And before I get into why the Saints shouldn't trade for Stephon Diggs or even have any interest in Stephon Diggs, um, let me tell you, I agree that the Saints need to get better in the receiving corps. I'm not, not going to be ignorant about that or anything. Outside of Michael Thomas, there's no true wide receiver on this team that scares uh, an opposing secondary. So I understand the need for that. Um, that said, look at the Saints teams when they've been great over the years. They've always had one really good wide receiver and a bunch of good role players. Take it back to 2009 when they won the Super Bowl. Marcus Colston, your really good wide receiver. And then role players, Lance Moore, good in the slot. Devry Henderson, good over the top. Robert Meacham, an emerging deep threat. So they had four good receivers here. Look at the Saints now. Michael Thomas is better than what Colson was, so I'll give them the you know the advantage in there. I think Ted Ginn's a very good deep threat, so you could give him that Devery Henderson type role. But after that, who's next? The hope is when healthy, Trey Quan Smith could slide into that Robert Meacham role. But everyone's talking about how they're missing that Lance Moore, that slot type guy. And look, I don't disagree with that. My question for you guys is why the hell would the Saints want to trade for Stephon Diggs, who's in a five-year, $72 million deal? He's going to cost the team a first-round pick to acquire in a deal anyway, at minimum. And then you're tying down $34 million of your cap space to just two wide receivers for the next three to four years. It's not worth it. And the other thing about Diggs, and it's not even like a slight on the receiver that he's turning into, a lot of Saints fans complained about Brandon Cooks, and they were happy when the team got rid of him. Stephon Diggs is no different from Brandon Cooks in the term of what quality player you're getting. Now, look, Stephon Diggs is a completely different wide receiver. He's a better route runner. Um, you can use him in the, in the intermediate passing game more than you can use Brandon Cooks. But I wouldn't say necessarily that Stephon Diggs is even better than Cooks because, as I said on social media, and I'll continue to stress that, regardless of what we want to think about Cooks, Cooks has four 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Stephon Diggs has one, and that was last year. 
And now I know what you're thinking. Well, Stephon Diggs doesn't get good quarterback play. Neither does Mike Evans, and Mike Evans continues year in, year out, putting up 1,000 yards. I'm not saying that good wide receivers uh, don't need a good quarterback. Of course, they you know they feed off their quarterback. They need someone throwing them the ball. That's at least some somewhat precise. But we've seen uh, running up. Uh, excuse me, wide receivers in this league dominate without a good quarterback. I mean, look at DeAndre Hopkins and what he's done with T.J. Yates and Brandon Whedon and and you know all those average type quarterbacks, the Brock Osweilers of the world, and he's still found a way to get a thousand yards, double digit touchdowns, and become an emerging threat for the Texans. My question for Stephon Diggs is how much better is, you know, a tw- how much better does it get than this past year? Is he a 1200 yard type of guy? Is he someone who could get you 10 touchdowns? And I think the answer is no to both accounts. And yes, would I love to see Michael Thomas have some help so he's not constantly double teamed? Sure. But this Saints team, the last two years, hasn't had a great wide receiver opposite of Michael Thomas. And guess what? They were too flu- too excuse me, fluke plays away from one, getting to another NFC championship game and two, making it to the Super Bowl. So I don't know if it's time to press the panic button and say this team needs another wide receiver. And before we start writing off the Jared Cooks of the world and and Traquan Smith, just realize we're four games in. And also, Teddy Bridgewater has been the starter for two of them. So let's take Traquan Smith. Let's start off there. He hurts his ankle in week two when, by the way, he actually had his best game so far this season in week two, albeit nothing, you know, to showboat about but his best game of the season so far so through two games is that enough to write him off absolutely not let's move over to jared cook he's been disappointing i totally agree with you guys we thought we were getting the next jimmy graham type tight end instead it looks like kobe fleener 2.0 i don't blame anyone for being upset about that but take into account what cook has gone through in the first four games so you went from breeze to Bridgewater midway through the second game, and then you have to change the whole game script where it's all about clock management and running the football and playing good defense. And maybe there isn't enough time to get Jared Cook involved up the seam and throw the ball deep because you don't have a quarterback that wants to sling it because that's not his MO. So if these four games were with Drew Brees and Jared Cook was under 100 yards receiving through four games with Brees as a quarterback for all four, yeah, I'd say let's spam the panic button. Let's start pressing down and saying it's not going to work. But just relax. Drew Brees isn't in yet. And let's see what happens with Jared Cook. It's all about matchups sometimes. That Dallas defense, especially in the linebacker position, they're pretty thick. And there's no way that Jared Cook is going to have his breakout game then. So let's be realistic. Now, let's go back to the Seattle game. Look, we saw the game script. It was screen passes to Kamara, dump offs to Michael Thomas, short passes to Josh Hill on a tight end screen, which... If you're complaining about Cook not getting the tight end screen passes, just remember the one thing Josh Hill is good at is a tight end screen. That's the only thing they use him for in the passing game. So that's not something to complain about either. Let's see what happens this week. Tampa Bay's given up big games to the tight end. Evan Ingram has gone off on them in week three. And week four, even though the Rams weren't exactly feeding their tight ends, Gerald Everett wasn't bad for them. And Jericho threw, threw for over 500 yards. So there's going to be chances against a mediocre secondary of Tampa Bay for Jared Cook to have his best game as a Saint. And if it doesn't happen, then it's still not time to panic. But if it does, and he has a good game, people have to relax. And I know the idea of Stefan Diggs or AJ Green with Michael Thomas is amazing, but it's not fantasy football and it's not Madden. And this Saints team knows what's at stake, not just now, but in the future and trading a first round pick for a wide receiver when you already have one of the best in the game would be foolish. 
Now, if you want to tell me what's Emmanuel Sanders' value in a couple of weeks from now when the Broncos are well, one and six or something, sure, let me know. Or if you want to tell me, take a flyer, a six-round pick on Devontae Parker, sure, whatever, let me know. But Stephon Diggs for a first-round pick would be so foolish for a team that just needs another role player. They don't need Stephon Diggs. They don't need an A.J. Green. They already got Batman. They don't need another. They don't even need Robin at this point. They just need another Butler to help him out. And until then, until we see the Saints offense go anemic with number nine under center for a long stretch, I'll say okay. And before I move over to my next topic, just remember what happened last season. We all talked about the Saints offense was struggling down the stretch. They weren't moving the ball. They were still one play away from the Super Bowl. And if the right call gets made, that offense, which you guys love to shit on basically for the last couple of weeks and say that they're not good enough through the passing game, would have been in the Super Bowl. And sure, I know two wide receivers that are great. Sounds awesome. But I'm going to go through the teams that have a nice wide receiver duo, and you let me know where they are right now. Minnesota, 2-2. Two and two, Franchise is basically in a crossroads here on what to do. And they missed the playoffs last year. How about Cleveland? 2-2. Two and two, Probably won't make the playoffs. Just came off their biggest win, and we all know that means they're coming over for a big letdown. And does everyone trust Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham? No. Well, how about Atlanta? I mean, they have a talented team. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones is a pretty good tandem. Atlanta's 1-3. and three. It works so many ways. The only wide receiver duo that I guess is looking good right now this NFL season, and they've been okay, is Godwin and Mike Evans, but that's a 2-2 two and two football team, and no one trusts the Buccaneers. So I can keep going through these teams that have a nice wide receiver duo. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown were a great duo. What did they accomplish? Nothing, because it's not about perimeter players in the NFL. It's about a good run game. It's about a good defense and having a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes in clutch and crunch situations. So if your quarterback's good in crunch time and you run the football and you manage the clock, why the hell do you need two good wide receivers? Just need one dominant possession receiver, which which Michael Thomas is, and a couple of good role players. And the Saints have a good role player in Ginn. They have an amazing pass-catching running back in Alvin Kamara, and you'll see what Trey Quan can be. You could see if Jared Cook gets better. But until then, no, absolutely not do the Saints need to trade for Stephon Diggs. I think that idea needs to be shot down. I know you guys all keep saying you want it to happen. It's not going to happen. The team isn't going to trade for Stephon Diggs. And if you honestly think this team isn't going to go anywhere. If they don't acquire someone like Stephon Diggs, then stop watching because I don't know what you're seeing. This team scored 12 points and beat the Cowboys. 12 points and beat the previously undefeated Cowboys without Drew Brees. If you really think they need Stephon Diggs, I don't know what football team you're watching because it's not the New Orleans Saints. But anyway, that's it for me ranting about whether or not the Saints need to acquire Stephon Diggs, which you know my answer on that. Um, but after this, I'm going to talk about the upcoming game for the Saints versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Should be a good game. Will it be a shootout? Does Teddy Bridgewater need to finally step up? And how the Saints can manage to slow down this hot Tampa Bay offense that scored 55 points last weekend? Well, you're going to have to wait until after the break to find out. What's going on? Welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. I'm your host, as always, Christmas Vogel. We just talked about Stefan Diggs' trade rumors, whether or not the Saints need to get him and all that. And I know 
I've been harping on that train for a while and why the Saints don't need another star receiver. Um, now let's forget about what's going to happen in the coming weeks with the trade deadline and let's focus on the now. What's happening this upcoming weekend? Saints, Buccaneers in the Superdome. Finally, an early afternoon game. I mean, they've been on the West Coast. They've had Sunday night football games. They've had Monday night football games. This is the first regular afternoon time slot that they've had of the season. And it's a weird game for the Saints because normally you feel like you split with the Bucs and you're hoping that this is a year where it changes. Well, last year the Saints and the Bucs played in the Dome. Mike Evans killed that secondary. It was the wake-up game for Marshawn Lattimore and that defense where Fitzpatrick absolutely destroyed them. Um, and to make it even worse, Tampa Bay's coming off their best game of the season this year around. Uh, just dropped 55 points on the Rams. Godwin was sensational with 170 plus yards. Mike Evans had a huge touchdown against Marcus Peters, which I sure I'm sure made Saints fans happy. I mean, who doesn't uh, like to watch Marcus Peters get burnt in coverage? And the running game was good. Jameis Winston was good, and the defense did its job. They forced Jared Goff into not one, not two, but three interceptions. Um, courtesy of Shaq Barrett, who's been the defensive player of the year right now, nine sacks in the first month of the NFL season. He won NFC player of the month. Um, as you can expect, when you have nine sacks, you're probably going to be up for a great award right there. But let's get into the X's and O's and the key matchups of this ball game. That's going to decide who will have sole possession of first place in the NFC South by this Sunday. And the first one, I think the most important one for me is Ryan Ramchek versus Shaq Barrett. I just said he had nine sacks this month. But the thing about Ramchek is I know the Saints offensive line has been sloppy and we've seen offensive holding calls and, you know, giving up pressure. Ramchek's been amazing. And if you're going to, you know, keep one guy off the blame and say, you know, he's off the hook, he shouldn't get blamed for anything, it's Ryan Ramchek. We've seen him neutralize J.J. Watt. We've seen him make Jadavian Clowney a non-factor. And we saw on Sunday, the only time you really heard Demarcus Lawrence's name was when Demarcus Lawrence went low on Teddy Bridgewater, of course, accidentally. But that's really all you heard. If anything, you more, heard more of Robert Quinn beating on Teron Armstead than you did Demarcus Lawrence beating on Ramchek. That's how good Ramchek has been so far through the first quarter of the season. Well, now he's got another tough task. He's got to stop the hottest pass rusher in football right now. Um, and it's going to be tough because Shaq Barrett's not the strongest dude. Oh, but he's quick and he can get around the edge very easily. And he has a really good, you know, just brute bull rush on opposing tackles. So that's going to be something worth watching. If Ramchek can neutralize Shaq Barrett, that helps the whole rest of the offensive line because then you focus on Adamic and Sue, uh, you focus on Carl Nassib. And granted, those are also very good players. You know, we know what Sue can do. They're not what Barrett's doing right now. Barrett's been the you know catalyst for this Buccaneers defense. So if you neutralize him, you have a really good chance at stopping the rest of that Buccaneers front. Let's flip over to the other side of the trenches for the Saints, and it's Marcus Davenport, who I think I've highlighted every single game. And if you're still on the Saints uh, made a mistake trading for up for Davenport, you got to stop. If, if you really think that, you're just not watching the games right now because Davenport isn't getting the sack numbers that you'd like to see but he's forcing quarterbacks into bad throws. He's getting a bunch of licks on quarterbacks where they're getting up, but they're like, damn, man, you know, 92 hits hard, and I really don't know how many more times I could take a six-foot, seven-massive defensive end landing on me because Davenport's just a beast. Um, and he's going to have his hands full against Donovan Smith, a very good left tackle who got paid handsomely this past offseason. If Davenport can get to uh, past Donovan Smith and force pressure on Winston, we know what Jameis does. Jameis has moments where he looks great, and he had that last week. So it's not like where you have to worry about, oh, Jameis had a slow game, watch him break out here. 
The Saints know what Jameis is capable of. They've seen it, and they saw what he did last week, and they just came off a 55-point game. That all changes if Davenport gets pressure. If Davenport can beat the Bucs' best offensive lineman, you're going to force Jameis Winston into a couple of bad throws. Rewind back to week one, Tampa Bay versus the 49ers. Winston finished with three interceptions. Two of them were pick sixes. He should have had five picks on that game. There was an easy drop from Akello Witherspoon, and there was an easy drop from Quan Alexander. Winston, when pressured, throws a bunch of risky balls. Now, he's good against the blitz. The numbers will tell you that he is good against the blitz. But if your four-man front's able to get after Winston, that changes the whole ball game. And we saw what the Saints four-man front did to a better Dallas offensive line. Now, the hope is against an inferior offensive line of the Buccaneers, they can get after Jameis Winston. And from my opinion, it all starts with Davenport. I know Cameron Jordan's the you know the anchor of the defensive line, but when Davenport gets going, it really opens up the floodgates. And on my prediction for this game, um, and not score prediction, just a prediction for an individual here, I think Davenport's going to get a strip sack in this game. He was oh so close, about a hair off from doing that to Dak Prescott in the fourth quarter. I think this time around against Winston, who although gets the ball out quick, sometimes stands in the pocket and doesn't move out. I think he'll get a strip sack in this in this game, and, and that'll be huge for the defense if he does. Um, another matchup to look forward to, and of course this one's always important, is how does Michael Thomas go against a inferior Tampa Bay secondary? The reason I'm pointing this out is, does Tampa Bay say we're going to bracket coverage Michael Thomas, try to neutralize him, or do they kind of just let it go and be like, Saints don't have great weapons at all, we can kind of spread the field and we won't have to worry about it. I think that's important to watch, and if you're Tampa Bay, you do everything in your power to stop Michael Thomas. But on the, the other issue is if you tried everything there to stop Michael Thomas, does Alvin Kamara burn you? We've seen Alvin Kamara burn the Buccaneers in the past, and it wouldn't shock me again um, if it happens on Sunday. So that's going to be worth watching. Another thing that's always worth watching when Drew Brees isn't on the field is how does Teddy Bridgewater play? Um, I know the numbers looked horrific last Sunday night. But I thought Teddy Bridgewater made throws that he wasn't doing in his first start against Seattle. A couple of back shoulders to Michael Thomas, um, a couple of throws down the field, one to Ted Ginn that obviously turned into an interception, but you like that he's taking the chances. I think the biggest issue for Teddy is not pulling the trigger. Um, I know he doesn't want to make mistakes, and he's talked about it before. His job is to win football games, and right now they're 2-0. And you give him all the credit in the world for not making the big crucial mistake. But eventually... Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to make a throw or two there to say, this Saints offense isn't one-dimensional. You can throw over the top of the defense. They haven't done it yet, but he hasn't been asked to do it yet. Will he be asked to do it this Sunday is the question. And if Tampa Bay's offense continues to roll, that's going to be an issue. So got to see what Teddy B can do. Can Bridgewater make enough throws down the field of 10, 15 yards or more um, and put some pressure on this Tampa Bay offense uh, defense and make sure that they're not stacking the box, that they're not focusing and prioritizing on stopping Alvin Kamara, because if they do, of course, that definitely hinders the rest of the offense. But out of all the matchups this Sunday, the most important in my eyes comes down to Marshawn Lattimore once again. Lattimore was the man of the hour um, Sunday night between the Saints and the Cowboys. He locked up Amari Cooper, held him to under 50 receiving yards, and it got to the point where Cooper got called for two offensive pass interferences. Well, the challenge gets tougher this weekend. I think we all can agree Mike Evans is better than Amari Cooper. He's a bigger body. His uh, catch radius is a lot larger. He might actually be faster than Amari Cooper, which is scary because he's 6'5", um, but it's possible. And what makes this matchup so important is unlike last week, there is a second threat to this secondary. 
Um, you know, with Michael Gallup out, it was Amari Cooper and then, oh, well, Randall Cobb, but he's in the slot. This time, it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside. And you can make a case that Godwin's been better than Mike Evans. So the question comes, does Dennis Allen go straight up Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore? Or does he say Marshawn Lattimore on Godwin, take him out of the game, and they'll bracket coverage Evans with Eli Apple as the primary corner? That's an important question. Now, I know some people have said put uh, Lattimore on Evans uh, Lattimore on Godwin and just let uh, Apple and a safety handle uh, Mike Evans. I think that's an, a, a fair point. But for me, Marshawn clearly plays his best when he's up against the top receivers. We've seen him dominate against Cooper. We've seen him dominate against Julio Jones at times. And we've seen him do it against Alshon Jeffrey last year's playoff game. I think Lattimore's got to be on Mike Evans. Um, and then you'll figure out the Godwin situation. I think Eli Apple's had an underrated start to the season. Von Bell's playing great at safety. You hope that Marcus Williams makes a play or two in this game. Um, but overall, I think you got to go with your best corner against their best receiver. We've seen Lattimore and Evans go back and forth. Evans had the best of him. Uh, Lattimore had the best of Evans the first time. Then Evans got revenge. This is going to be the rubber match between these two with Lattimore being in his third season with New Orleans. So I think that's going to be the key matchup to watch. Now the question, who wins this game? I kind of went back and forth with this, with this opinion. I was pretty confident the Saints would beat the Cowboys last week. Um, of course, two weeks ago, I had the Seahawks winning by a field goal. Obviously, that didn't turn out. So, obviously, that was good that it didn't. Um, this one's been tough because as much as you want to say the Saints should win in the Dome, you have to acknowledge how good Tampa Bay's been on the road. A, a road win against the Panthers, a road win against the Rams. But it's in New Orleans. And I think there's always a different factor to that. And the one thing I'll say about this game that makes you feel a little bit better than before is it's not one of those games where Tampa Bay is coming off a letdown and you know that they're going to be desperate. This is a game where Tampa Bay could fight for first place, but they are also coming off their best game. And if there's one thing we know about Jameis Winston is that he's consistently inconsistent. And with this Saints defensive front, I think they're good enough to get after Winston. I know they're not going to have Trey Hendrickson, but I think with Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins, Anyamata, Davenport, Cameron Jordan. I think they have more than enough talent to wreak havoc on that Buccaneers offensive line. If they're going to shut the running game down like they usually do with Aaron Jones, uh, excuse me, uh, Ronald Jones. And it all comes down to can you force Winston into a couple of mistakes? I think they do. I say Winston throws a pick um, at least and a strip sack. So I'm going to go two turnovers for Jameis Winston. And that should be enough with the way the Saints control the clock. I'm going to say the Saints win 23-20. to 20. Um, Obviously, wouldn't cover the spread, but who cares at this point? It's all about stacking wins. Um, I think this is the game where Bridgewater has to make a couple throws over the top, though. He's going to need to show that against a, a decent defense, not a you know a, a Pro Bowl caliber defense like the Cowboys, he can make a couple of throws and go for over 200 passing yards because he hasn't done it yet, and we're just waiting for him to have that big game. Um, but this will be important. If the Saints win this one and move to 4-1, you gain two games up on the Bucs with Drew Brees coming back soon enough, and you would already hit that three-win mark where everyone was saying at least go three and three with in Brees' absence. If you can do that right away, uh, the sky's the limit for the Saints team, and you could potentially look down the road at NFC seeding for the playoffs. But I think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to come down to the wire, as usually most Saints do, uh, most Saints games do. Um, but I think the defense forces Winston into enough turnovers to get them to win. And because the way this offense is rolling in terms of controlling the clock, 
I say Kamara and that ground game does enough. We get a little bit of Latavius Murray as well. And the Saints move on to four and one. But that's my prediction for this game between the Saints and the Buccaneers. It's definitely going to be a nail-biting finish between these two NFC rivals. Uh, but it should be an excellent game. And of course, an early start for this one. And after that, the Saints will go on to face the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. And I'll have my review and preview of that game next week as well. But thanks, guys, for listening. Stay tuned for more content. And let's hope the Saints are able to improve to 4-1 on the season when they face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday.